Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. And today's episode is incredible because we are sitting down with YouTube celebrity, Instagram celebrity, fitness celebrity, Amanda Bucci. Yes, that Amanda Bucci that everybody knows and loves, and they know and love her because she is so real and raw and vulnerable. And so she delivers today. We talk about how giving played a big role in her becoming an accidental entrepreneur and how giving of her time and her knowledge helped her rise to the top and how you can do the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, we even ask the question, is it too late to get into the online coaching game? And if not, how can one do it if they're starting today? We talk about how to deal with the naysayers once you start stepping out in front of an audience. And we even talk about the best single way to stand out in today's crowded social media. This episode is full of so much gold. So sit down, get ready, because we are about to dive. Hey, Amanda, thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I know, so am I. I'm, I'm like a, uh, for the love of money podcast listener, super fan. So I'm super excited to be on it. It's like so awesome. I was actually so surprised to hear that. Obviously, we've become friends over the past year in our mastermind, but I had no idea that you were actually listening to the podcast. So I'm actually that much more excited right now. Oh my gosh. It's like one of my my top three. You're the best. Okay. So <laughs> let's totally wow some people today. And I want to do that by going way back to when you grew up in tiny Rhode Island. Did you think you'd be the YouTube and Instagram fitness celebrity and business mogul that you are now? I literally zero idea. <laughs> when I actually first got started um, using Instagram, I was just using it to document my like fitness progress. And then when I started YouTube, I was like, you know what, this will like making videos would be a better way to present information and explain my thoughts. Cause I'm one of those people that just likes to share everything. So I was like, videos are a better way. I had no idea that there was a thing called YouTubers or like people that just created videos online for like a living. I had, I had no idea, like zero. Like I was not one of those people that watched YouTube videos. Like if I went on YouTube, it was for the purpose of like in college, I would look up like explanations for what I was learning in school and like diagram videos and stuff like that to like study. And I never even had a YouTube account. Like I wasn't one of those people that was like a watcher or a commenter, none of that stuff. Um, nor did I ever grow up with like anybody who was an entrepreneurial figure for me. My grandpa owned his own businesses and stuff, but I was never really interested in business. I was more interested in like science and fitness. And I had no, literally zero idea and zero plans of becoming the person I am today. So this brings up a really interesting point. You had no real entrepreneurial figures in your life growing up, yet you're this awesome entrepreneur right now. How did you bridge that gap? Like what was the first day or moment you can remember where you said, oh, wait a minute, I can make my own money? I Yeah, I specifically remember when I was in college, it was my senior year and I was um, in nursing school and stuff and I had been using Instagram and YouTube a little bit to document my fitness progress and stuff like that. I had probably... I gained a good amount of followers by the time I was uh, a senior in college. I believe I had, let's see, I feel like by the time I was a senior, I had like 20, 15,000 or something on Instagram, which was like definitely a lot. And I was like so excited and happy with that. And I was like, this is so cool. And I had no idea, but I was still like a senior in college. I was documenting my progress for bikini competitions and stuff. So um, I was starting to get questions from people like very often and I was one of those people that was just so excited and happy to answer and I still am and like I always would just comment back like really long comments and like answering people's questions and people would email me and I would spend like so much time like responding to people in like paragraphs with with the answers that I was hoping to give them and help them out and people and like in my DMs like people were just answering asking me questions all of the time and I was like so happy to help but I was like you know what I feel like there's 
a better way to do this. And people were like, I had a few people and it wasn't that many, but it was a few people asking me if like, if I could be a coach to them. I was like, you know, I, I don't, I'm still learning. Like I was 21 at the time. I was like, I'm still learning. Like I don't have any experience as a coach. Like I had hired a coach myself and I was learning a lot from him and I was learning a lot on my own. Like again, one of those people that was just so interested in fitness that I would read every article. I would read everything that I could possibly learn. If I didn't know the answer to something, I would like go look it up and try to learn as much as I can and like soak up all this information. Um, so I had, I feel like I had a great foundation of knowledge along with my background in science. I had my nursing degree, like I said, so I learned like all the anatomy, the physiology, it wasn't exercise science by any means, but it was enough to, to understand how the body works. So, um, I ended up being like, you know what, let me just create a program and nutrition plan for someone. It was more flexible dieting based. So it was like macros based. And I was like learning as I, as I went, I had like a few clients my senior year of college, probably like five, six or seven or so or something like that. But still, like I still didn't know what an entrepreneur was. And I didn't think that was like being an entrepreneur. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be someone that helps other people with their fitness, I guess. Um, but I was still finishing college. I had every intention on completing my nursing degree and um, getting my RN and becoming a nurse and working in a hospital and all that stuff. So by the time I graduated college, again, I had a few clients, um, finished up school. And something that I think was is a really interesting part of my story, like looking back, I'm like, Why, how did I think of this thing? So when I was graduating college, I knew that I was moving across the country to California. I had like already planned that out. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to California. I had already lived there the summer before that and waitressed um, for like six days a week, seven days a week in California for the, the summer of my junior year just for fun. I had, again, just a part-time job. It was, it was a full-time job essentially, but I was like working as a waitress and um, loving California. I had to go back to Rhode Island, finish my senior year started doing online coaching. And then I planned my move back to California the summer of my senior year after I graduated. So I also was in the middle of a bikini competition prep. So I was like sitting here in my head thinking I'm graduating from nursing school. I have to study for my NCLEX. I have to finish this bikini competition like this prep. I had some shows planned in July and August. Um, and I also wanted to continue to make money. And I didn't want to go back to waitressing. Like that was my main thing. I had waitressed all throughout my senior year of college. And I had like I just didn't want to go back to that. I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. But I knew once I had more time, I could take on more clients and stuff. But I was also like in the middle of so many other things and super stressed out. So what I did was I created a ebook, which I've seen a few people have ebooks on Instagram and stuff. I created an ebook called The Everything Guide to Macro Tracking, which has since been changed to the ins and outs of tracking your macros because of legal reasons apparently. Um, but I didn't know when I first started. I, I had like no idea. I was just like, let me just make this thing. I'm going to write out everything I know about tracking your macros and nutrition and, and like what I've learned and stuff like that. And I was like, let me just put it out there. I'll sell it for $30. Um, it was a 60 page ebook. Like I was sitting the last month of my senior year of college. I was like using my quote unquote free time, whatever the hell that was. Like, I don't know where I found this free time. My last month of nursing school, like trying to graduate and prepping for a show and going to the gym. I don't know where I found the time, but I did. Um, and I wrote like a, I, th I think it's 56 pages. It's a 56 page ebook about tracking your macronutrients and nutrition. Um, and I put it out there to the world. I was just like, I'm doing this thing. It's done in a month. Um, I made it on Microsoft Word. I just like typed up stuff and found some images on Google and like I made this like ugly like graphic of it like it was looking back hideous but um it it helped a ton like I it was generating income for me like what without having to work it was that passive income that I was getting throughout that like really stressful busy time in my life um I did end up taking more clients and stuff like that but that was definitely like a transitional period where I was like okay this is a thing that I'm doing. Um, I'm just going to put some stuff out there. And then in the middle of, again, that summer, I was studying for my NCLEX for nursing. Um, I decided to get a like internship shadowing type job at a surgical center in Manhattan Beach, California. Um, and I was doing that, but I had realized like during that time I was shadowing the nurses there and stuff. Um, and I would be so all the time thinking and thinking about and focusing on my clients that were in my email that I was like, 
so excited to get back to and check up on and talk to their talk through talk them through their fitness journeys and all that stuff in the middle of the day when I was focusing on this other job and I was like you know what there's ooh, it was there was always this like pushback where I was like I am so excited about this other thing but like this is my like chosen career path and it wasn't until I grad I um, took my NCLEX in September of 2015 it took the state of California like five months to get me my papers back, right? So I'm sitting here studying for the NCLEX and I'm twiddling my thumbs waiting for them to say, okay, you can pick your test date. And all my other um, fellow classmates that graduated with me took their test in like July and they and they passed and they've already gotten jobs and stuff. And it's, it's like July, August. I'm still waiting. I don't have a test date. I'm super excited about my clients. I'm doing this fitness thing. I'm like using Instagram. I had like 30,000 followers at that point. I think I had gotten my first sponsorship from the supplement company. Um, and like all of this stuff was happening and I was like, Oh, why am I, I was just so not focused on studying for my nursing boards. I ended up, um, getting the papers back, taking the exam. I crammed for it. Like I was again, like when you, when you're trying to study for like four or five months and you don't have a date, it's really difficult to focus, especially when your focus is put on something else. Um, again, not an excuse for like actually passing and stuff, but I was, my passion had slowly dwindled away from me. So the studying process was miserable. I was just like, I don't remember this stuff. I have to relearn a ton of it. Um, I have to like focus on something that I just, it was, I was resenting it so much. Um, so by the time I took it, I didn't end up passing it. It's like a full-time job to pass that exam. I got to say, I've known people that have taken it like many, many times. So um, didn't pass it. And that was like the biggest turning point for me because I had to decide if I was going to retake it and re-sign up and retake it or just not and like continue to focus on my my fitness career, which was essentially just online coaching and YouTube and sponsorships at that point. And it was still growing. Like it wasn't like it. It was enough to get me by for sure. Like it was plenty. It was, I was actually making more than what my um, living expenses were, which like I was so pumped about. I was making like a couple grand a month. I was like so happy. Um, but I had to decide like, am I going to retake this test or am I just going to not? And it was a super hard decision for me to decide just not to. Like I was going back and forth for like a few months. I had. Um, actually paid for the second exam. Like I was like, yep, I'm going to retake the test. I'm going to do it. I'm going to hustle. And now I know what it's like. And now I can plan ahead. And I, or I repaid for the test. Um, but again, every single time I would open the practice exam website, I would just be like, oh, I don't want to. Like I want to do everything else. Like I would wait till like 1130 at night to take this practice exam or like just do some practice questions and stuff. And I was like, realizing my mind was just falling out of love with it and falling into love with something else that was making me happy and sustaining me financially. Um, so that was my turning point where I made that big decision to just go off on my own. It's amazing, Amanda. You're literally an accidental entrepreneur. And here's the best <laughs> yes. part. You got your start by giving. You know, this podcast is all about giving and there's many forms of giving. And whether you even realized or not realized it or not, you got your start by giving of your time to answer everybody's questions, giving of your knowledge to answer everybody's questions. You were giving free coaching without even setting out to give free coaching, so to speak at that time. And then it, that turned into a couple of clients. I think that's one of the most beautiful examples of, you know, giving without an agenda turning into what is now a life changing direction for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, I didn't even, I didn't even, I was like happy to do it too. I was just excited to, I was like one of those things where I was like learning and just so excited and so happy that I found my passion because I think that's one of the things that is confusing to people a lot of the times when they're, when they're searching for what they're going to do with their life. It's, I never felt that passion for nursing, but once I like found fitness and helping people through it, and then my first client was like so excited with her progress and she was so grateful to me for helping and people were just always saying thank you for like the information and stuff. I was like, this is amazing. This is definitely my passion. I found it like a thousand percent. Um, and I was just so excited about it because it was something I never thought I would find. Like I never thought I would find something that I was passionate about. And I knew I went into nursing because I wanted to help people. Like I've always had that, um, that like empathetic and and helpful. I always just want to like give people my knowledge or whatever, my insights or, or anything that I can give in order to help them along because it just, that's, that's what it's all about. Like, especially this podcast, you always talk about giving and it's just that 
feeling you get and the, like seeing someone else get an amazing, happy feeling themselves and you guided them along through it and they feel so amazing and so happy and whatever you have taught them or helped them with, it's just, it's just like such a good feeling and that's what makes the world go around, I think. I totally agree with you, Amanda. So being that you're an accidental entrepreneur, meaning you didn't set out and say, I'm going to be an <laughs> entrepreneur and I'm going to study how to do it, and which is, by the way, probably a great thing. I think too many people spend too much time getting ready to get ready, and then mm. they just end up in their, quote, job the entire time instead of following, in your exact words, what you were just passionate about. But anyhow, being an accidental um, entrepreneur, what's been your biggest or toughest or most valuable lesson in being an entrepreneur? Ooh, that's a good question. The biggest, toughest, most valuable lesson is I think for me in the beginning, one of the things that I struggled the most with was organizing my time in a way that I had to get my give myself my own deadlines. I had to create my own schedule. I had to be as time efficient as possible. And when you come from like working for other people's systems, like especially in in college, like there was a system. I knew exactly when things were due. I was so organized. I had my planner. Like I knew exactly what I was doing every single day when it was due. When I had to do this. When I had to go to class. When I had to finish this exam. When I had to study for this. And I was so good at organizing my time. But it was someone else's system. And then when you become an entrepreneur, you have to create your own systems of time and being flexible with it and 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 understanding like when to take time off and when to like what your morning routine is going to look like and like how to um, be fierce with your schedule as Lori calls it. I've heard her say that before, be fierce with your schedule. Um, and it was super difficult for the scheduling purposes. Um, along with that, you have to hustle even harder than you would if you were to just given, given a list of tasks to do in a, in a job or a role or a position in someone else's company. It's essentially like having these things that you have to do every single day and then you get paid to do those things. Um, so, like some positions are different where you have like creative roles or you, you don't. But for me, it was really black and white with the science based career where it was like you have to do these things um, along with like whatever personality you can bring to the table for your for your patients as a nurse. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure your patients get the meds, that you do this with the doctor, that you collaborate with whoever needs to be collaborated with. Um, and you just have a system that's already set up for you. And then as an entrepreneur, again, you have to create your own systems and it's less so task oriented and more like, like how can I get this creative project completed or, or how can I make this system better? Or how can I provide better for my clients? And it's just slightly different in that way. Do you agree? I totally agree. And you know, you said something else that triggered something to me. You said, um, it seems to take even more work or even more time to be an entrepreneur than it does to just quote fit into somebody else's systems. And I think everyone seems to romanticize entrepreneurship. Like, oh, it's going to be amazing. I'm living in my passion. It's going to be so much fun. Would you say it's actually more difficult to get your business off the ground than it would be to just take a job, let's say, in nursing, just because that's the path you were headed? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, again, as a, as a nursing student, I know how vigorous the program is and everything. And I went through it. It was like the most difficult thing. But at the end of the day, I could have probably easy, easily gotten a job because I, I knew some people. And again, there's always jobs like coming about and you can get a recruiter if you don't have someone that you know and you're connected to. But um, I, I would have gotten a job like right away. I had that connection at the surgical center and then I would have gotten that job like immediately after if I passed. So um, it, it was slightly easy to just kind of find a role that's open and fit into it as long as you fit the position well and you're one of the uh, best candidates and stuff like that. Obviously, it's all those things that come into play. But when you're an entrepreneur, you have to rely completely a thousand percent on yourself to generate revenue for yourself. And you have to sit there and figure out how to do it. And uh, again, a lot of the time we talk about um, getting ready to get ready and stuff like that. And figuring out the system will come with time and all that stuff. But you still have to figure out like, okay, like what are these numbers? How can I exactly pay my bills? And you need to, you need to know exactly how to do it. And you have to figure it out on your own. Like there's no handbook really, depending on what you're doing. Like you can get mentors, you can hire people to teach you. Um, but for me, I didn't know anybody in the entrepreneurial space really that I could hire. I kind of just had to figure it out on my own. I had my mentors of my coach and I saw what my coach did and I saw what other people in fitness were doing, um, with online coaching. But again, there was all these things that I still 
that I do today that I wasn't aware of. Like I had no idea what online courses were. I had no idea about um, higher level masterminds. I had no idea about better ways to run your website and get the SEO and like membership sites. And like, I was just like, okay, I can give people help with fitness and that's it. Like I, all these like learning things, you have to kind of like force yourself to figure them out. Yeah. It's so outside of your comfort zone. Once you actually start acting as an entrepreneur, instead of just dreaming about being an entrepreneur, it's, it's wild. So I've got to ask you is in part of your story, you said you started making a couple of grand a month and it was covering your bills and you realized, Oh my gosh, this is a path I could take after that point. What was your first big financial goal? Did you ever have one? Like, oh, if I get here, I've made it. Um, I think that my first big financial goal, so when I came out of college um, in 2015, I started working full time, like for myself, uh, aside from like the few hundred dollars I made from interning at the surgical center, I made like 50 grand that year or so. It was between 50 and 55,000. Um, and that was working from June to, uh, to December. So in 2015, like that half year, and then I think I had a couple hundred dollars from waitressing and school and stuff, but I was still in school full time. Um, and I had a few clients. So that was like part time. I made $50,000 and I was like, wait a second, if I am a nurse, I'm going to start off making $75,000 a year. And I only did this part time. Like there's so much more time that I could have been putting into my own business. And I can't even imagine if I utilize that time and, and and actually put it towards my business 100%. So in 2016, I, again, I didn't really plan like financial goals. I was just doing it. Like I was just like here, I, again, I had no idea. Like I had nothing to go off of. So I was just doing my thing. I was online coaching. I had some sponsorships, um, the ebook. I think I made another ebook. I ran a few fitness challenges and stuff like that. So all of that stuff combined, I made um, 225,000 in 2016. And that was like, after making 50,000 the year before. And that was like completely mind blowing for me. Like that was just like, I don't even like, I'm just continuing to, to grow and like learn and do more things and, um, get better at what I'm doing and coach more people and have more efficient systems and help more people. And I had my YouTube channel. And again, I was just doing all these things. I didn't have a plan for making six figures, but I was just like, here it is. It's just happening. Oh my God, what's going on. <laughs> so, um, and then that this December, I joined the mastermind that you and I are in together with Lewis. And this is like, this, this year was like my first time actually learning about entrepreneurship um, and having money goals and having like financial goals, but having impact goals and um, talking with all of you guys who, who have been doing entrepreneurial entrepreneurship for, for years now. And like this, again, it's all so new to me. So I'm still like just so open to learning, but it's been amazing that I've been able to do that without, <laughs> without like, so much guidance. Like I kind of just did and things were working really well. And I was just focused on growth. I was focused on being better every single day, um, doing what my, my, like running my business better and providing more valuable content. Like a lot of it was, um, a lot of it was growing my YouTube channel as well. Like I put out five videos a week at one point last year and it grew, it went like exploded my channel and stuff. So, um, all of that stuff I was just trying to do as much right as possible. You know what's wild is I think people think that you've been around as an entrepreneur forever because they've seen oh, you no. online forever. And <laughs> you're really just not even two full years into it. You know, 2015 was a part-time effort in monetizing yourself. 2016 mm -hmm. was your first full-time effort. And you 5X'd your income from 2015 to 2016. That's wild. So mm -hmm. this year, are you going to blow past seven figures? Uh, yeah, we'll see. That's that's a goal. I think this year is a lot of building for me. So um, I'm I'm actually changing like what my business structure looks like. So I'm not doing any one-on-one -on -one fitness coaching at this point, but I'm actually working on creating an online course, which is a certification course in order to teach other coaches to be amazing coaches. So it's a fitness and nutrition certification course. So my coach and I are actually partnering and building this thing where you get the foundational knowledge you need about fitness and nutrition and macros, micronutrients, um, hormones, training, structuring training programs, checking in with your clients, client assessment, client management, and actually building a business from that foundational information. 
But we, we're, our main goal is teaching coaches the best way to utilize that knowledge and apply it to their clients in real time. So instead of just coaching one-on-one fitness clients, I'm actually trying to think a bigger picture here and fill this gap of coaching coaches on how to be better coaches. So it's, it's a different way to make an impact, but I'm in this building process now. Um, so this year we'll see, that's definitely a goal of mine. It's, I envision it happening. It's going to happen, um, whether it's this year or like a thousand percent next year, but a definitely, definitely a goal is this year. Um, depending on how the launches go and stuff again, like this is, I'm, I'm doing a lot of creating and building this year. Um, I started taking on team members this year for the first time. I never had anybody that worked for me and this year that's been implemented like times six. I now have six people that I have, that I have on my team and it's amazing. They're amazing people and I wouldn't be able to get there without them because I, I just realized that I could not be a solopreneur. I could not do everything myself. Um, and time is better spent with people that have specific roles and tasks to complete in order to make the system work really well. So this is all still new to me too. I love that you're going there. I love that you are teaching people to basically do what you've done in their own way, because that is what we need. We need to lift people up. This is another form of you giving, even if you charge for it, it's still a form of giving. If it has massive value, you are lifting other people up that say, Amanda, how do I get there? Amanda, how do I do that? So let's talk about that for a minute. Obviously, you're an expert in this area. Everybody seems to want to be some kind of online fitness coach or online life coach or online this coach or online that coach. Is the space too crowded or can they still join now and be wildly successful? Ooh, what a good question. Honestly, I think the space is crowded, but it's not like... I have never seen anybody that I know, even my students that I have now, I have some social media business students. Um, and even them, like they're just getting their, their, their foot in the door and there's not a shortage of clients anywhere. Honestly, there's, I think fitness is becoming such a amazing like trend that's been happening over the last like 10 to 15 years. And more people are just getting excited about fitness and changing their life. And there's so many, people in this world that still need help and still need guidance. And there's also, I think personally, so many, um, terrible, (laughs) terrible fitness and health, uh, fad diets and stuff like that, that are really mainstream. Like the things that you read in the magazines, I, I think are so problematic a lot of the time, like, um, like female magazines promoting like super low calorie diets and like just drink green juice every single day for every meal and then you'll lose weight and like these quick fix things and stuff like that. Like I think that there's still so many problematic health and fitness things that are taught to the world, honestly. Um, and it's, I think it's just something that the only thing that we can do is to cultivate more people that have really sound science-based knowledge, people that are just super focused on someone's health that have their best interests at heart. Um, the quick fix thing is really, it's sexy. It's easy to sell. Um, people are interested in getting results like tomorrow. So it's easy to sell. And I understand why companies do it, but I think that there's still such a big need for, for, for people that to do one-on-one coaching for people to do like specific health coaching for people that are still confused about that because there's so much misinformation out there that I feel like the more amazing health coaches and fitness coaches we can cultivate to be like bomb coaches, the better, because there's people that have a network of influence, even if it's not on social media, like, you know, people in your life now that still don't know too much about fitness, regardless of if you're like in the fitness space and you know, all things fitness and the only people that you surround yourself and follow are fitness people and they know everything already. Um, but there's still so many people in your circle of influence, regardless of if it's on the internet or if it's in person that still need guidance that still could use your help. And I think the other thing with that as well is that people connect to people. So I've noticed that it's not just the information that people are seeking. Yes. The information is everywhere. That's it's saturated because the information is exploding. Um, which I think is an amazing thing, but people connect to people. And the one thing that you have to separate yourself from somebody else, another fitness coach, another health coach, another online fitness guru, another social media influencer is your own personality. And I think people buy things because they like the people that are selling them a lot of the time, or they like the brand or they like how, how it's represented. Um, or it it like looks aesthetically pleasing or whatever. There's still so many things you can do to have your personality shine through and your coaching system, um, where there's going to be plenty of people that choose you over someone else who's been doing it for like 20 years or whatever, because they can 
relate to you on a one-on-one basis. I totally agree with you. Regardless of what your genre is, there is still so much room in this space because the one thing that will always be needed that I don't think you'll ever be able to replace other than still human interaction is that accountability factor. And Mm. that's really what a coach provides is yes, knowledge, yes, motivation, but let's be honest, you can Google knowledge. You can, you can get motivated by, you know, doing different things, but that accountability factor is absolutely huge. And that's why there's so much room in this space still. So I, I totally agree with you. So how do you stand out these days? Can you give us some specific ways that you've seen somebody get into the game recently and really stand out in a field that seems to be crowded? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I have a few, like I said, a few clients that I have for a social media program that I launched this uh, year, which has been amazing. And it's been really cool to watch these these people go from having like a couple hundred followers. And I've had a few students, um, one even reached like 20 something thousand followers already. And these people are just growing and learning and um, I always encourage them to be unique and be themselves and to to do things that stand out that aren't just the, that, the status quo because it's so easy to see what other people are doing and to see what works and to just want to replicate that, which I think to an extent, yeah, you can do that, but it's it's so it's so much more than that and you can you can still shine your personality through your content in a way that makes you stand out and makes you unique and i always like to say too like if someone else is doing it great but if you can do it better or differently or make it more valuable or just change it up um and be unique with it better and if it's something that no one else has done that's that's perfect do it like do it right now so something that i think is new-ish to um, to marketing yourself and marketing a personal brand, I think is being really transparent in your story and, and your personal feelings towards things. Um, I know a lot of people might not agree with sharing um, personal life stuff, but I think even just thoughts and ideas that you're struggling with and just being really transparent about it and talking to whoever your audience is about those things, regardless of if they're like fitness things or not. Like I've always talked to my audience about, um, what I struggle with and the thing, like the times where I'm not motivated to go to the gym and the times that, um, I've felt really bad about not sticking to my plan and like all those things that like regular people just go through that you feel like, that you feel like are things that you're going through alone in order to build a community and build a tribe. And I know you and Lori have been so good at that. You have to talk about the the hard things and the things that normal humans go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, So I think transparency is one of like the secret sauce things that I feel like has grown my audience and grown um, and that I like to teach other people as well. Just being really transparent about how you feel, what you're doing. Um, again, it, it opens you up to more criticism for sure, because you're having your heart on your sleeve. And I've always been that type of person that just has my heart on my sleeve. And, uh, regardless of how many people are watching or whatever, but I think it's, I think it's one of those things where if I were to follow somebody and I'm interested in following somebody, I want to know obviously like what value they can bring to my day, but also like who they are as a person and like, why do I connect so much to this person? It's because they shared with me something that a friend would share with you, you know? I absolutely love that. Transparency is always the fastest way to an audience. And, and definitely right now when that seems to be so many people out there trying to be something and you do this so well, I have to pay you a compliment. You are who you are. You know, obviously we've gotten to know you very well. And I think, I don't think I know that is why you have such a large engaged following is because you really do just put it all out there and people need to see that people need to feel that. So when you do put yourself out there and you started to allude to this, some of the bad comments also start rolling in. And then I can't imagine once you have an audience your size, the comments really start rolling in. How do you handle this? Do you have any tips or anything you do to handle all the the naysayers? Yeah, so um, it's it's definitely it grows the more that you grow for sure because I mean again the more you the, like regardless of how well you cultivate an audience or how well you connect to people or how much you truly have good intentions and are trying to help and want to build your business at the same time provide value to people and you want to actually help them change the way that they feel and think about things and perceive life there's still going to be people that view you as like regard like I don't know people people like to make things up and like just decide that you are something because you are successful or whatever like they view you as someone who they can pick on because you put your heart on your sleeve on the internet um and I think people to not everybody obviously but the people that are the naysayers and like the commenters that are of 
saying negative things. Um, they're very much so like trying to white knight the world, right? So they're trying to to save the rest of the world from whatever you could potentially be harming them from. Because as someone who's giving advice, as someone who's trying to help, um, there's there's always that group of people that actually aren't trying to help and are trying to just like have bad intentions with it. So I think the difference between someone who who is actually doing good in the world and actually isn't is the intentions behind it, obviously. So what I like to try to do my best with, with the naysayers, I'm not the best at this. Um, what I've been doing recently, honestly, is just blocking and deleting people. Um, I have in the past <laughs> done the whole, like, let me comment back and try to convert them to a follower type deal. And I've learned that every single time it just does not work. Like regardless of the paragraph that I write, trying to defend myself and explaining myself, I know that's like the worst thing to do. Like everyone says like, just don't just ignore it. Um, but here I am, like, I just want people to understand my intentions and stuff like that. So I've done that in the past, like plenty. And I've just realized that even in doing that, it doesn't really matter. Like regardless of what that person decides to think with your response, it seems to me that they're still just quite angry and it doesn't matter what you say that they're still going to think of you as someone that they don't like. Um, and I've just decided and learned that there's going to be people that don't like you regardless. Like there's people that don't like Oprah. Like there's people that don't like some of the most amazing humans in the world. Like Tony Robbins, like there's people that think that he's a scammer and like whatever, you know what I mean? Like there's people that don't like some of the most amazing people in the world and everybody gets it and everybody, it happens to everybody. And the more you grow your following and the more that you put yourself out there and the more that you're trying to, I think for me, the biggest thing is trying to build a business and put things out there that I'm charging for and people thinking that you're trying to scam them or trying to like just make money and you no longer are helpful. You no longer care about the people because you're trying to, to make money from them. Um, and I think that's one of like the things that I wanted to talk about on this podcast because it's something that I've been struggling with a lot and it's just people think that because you're trying to make money from them that you're, you have bad intentions and you're, you're just a scammer and they also equate making money to manipulating people and making money to not being helpful anymore or not caring anymore about the people and how they feel and what they actually need. Um, so uh, get, let's get back to the main question. What was it again? I think I went Actually, off. No, you, you answered it perfectly because I said, how do you deal with the naysayers? And you said, basically, you have a zero engagement policy because when you used yes. to try and convince them, then it didn't work out. But you just went somewhere where I absolutely wanted to go. And that is when you start to really grow in your business, of course, you have to charge for your programs. And then that's when some of the naysayers or, or shit talkers really come out, right? And oh, I yeah. loved what you said. I think you gave everyone so much freedom when you said, hey, there's people that don't like Oprah. There's people that don't like Tony Robbins. And so they're some of the greatest people on the planet. They're just trying to do good. And right away, that gives everyone permission to say, oh, never mind. No matter what, you're not going to make everyone happy. Let's just keep moving forward. But I do mm. want to go in that direction and say, what is, why do people need to start charging for programs? And honestly, why should they? Like, why, why shouldn't programs just be free for everybody? Honestly, like why, why should they be free? I think, um, so the thing with free things is that I've done plenty of free things in the past and I've done again, like just giving my time and talking to people and coaching people for free and, and all of these things that are just giving my time and just helping and wanting to help. And I think the thing people get so caught up on is that when it's a service, you just want to help people. And when your intentions are to help people, you're like, well, why would I pay? Why would I have someone pay me in order to help them if my intention is truly to help them? Like, doesn't it help them if I don't make them pay? And I think that the mindset switch that I found is that I'm actually helping them more when they pay. If there's, if there's someone that can't. So I think the other thing too is that um, I still give free stuff like every day, like whatever I post on um, my podcast is free. Like no one has to pay to listen to the podcast if they don't. There's there's nothing monetized there. Um, I don't even have sponsors on my podcast yet. Um, I definitely will because I do want to monetize the podcast. Because why wouldn't I? That's what podcasts are. Um, they help you do. But it's free. It's free hours of information that's just like knowledge gains, and you don't have to pay for it. Um, you don't have to pay to watch YouTube videos. So I try to put out informational YouTube videos at least two or three times a month. Um, I'm putting out like every single vlog that I do and every single video that I put out, I always try to think what can someone get from this video? Like I'm not just 
showing my life, like, here's what I'm doing. I'm showing like, what, what mindset switch did I have this week that I want to share? Or like, what information do I know that it's like is applied to my life that I can share with people because my stuff is like vlog based. But I also try to do my best, my absolute best to just make informational videos that are just helpful and valuable and people can just find them and be like, Oh, that was great. I'm going to implement that into my life or my fitness journey or whatever. Um, so I'm still giving free stuff like all the time, like, like messages, responding back to messages, responding back to emails. And I, I try to do my best to like make the free stuff like in bulk so people can, all watch it at once as opposed to like one person asked me about dieting um, and then I respond back to that one person, but that doesn't help anybody else. That's why I think YouTube videos and podcasts are great. So I'm still doing free stuff and you all should still do as much free stuff as possible. But at the end of the day, the people that really want to transform um, will that really want to transform their life in whatever way that you want to help them do that. Um, it actually is better that they pay for a service because that we like we go back to that accountability that we talked about earlier. There's no accountability if you don't pay for anything. Like I don't can't tell you how many times I had a friend or someone that I knew that I coached for free and they would take the information and then just I wouldn't hear from them and then it would just end. Like it wouldn't it would just be like time up front that you spend like creating a program and then here it is, it's for free, like take it and then they don't do anything. Like, why would you stay accountable to something that you didn't pay for? Like, unless you have super internal self-motivation, and some people do, like, they can find free information and just apply it to their life. Like, you can learn things on the internet, you can Google anything, but the reason that you pay for something like a service is so you can actually be accountable and actually do it. Because <laughs> there's those, again, like I said before, there's those times and there's those thought processes that if you don't pay for something, why would you continue to like push yourself through it. And it's that accountability factor when you actually sign up for something and you're like, oh shit, I just paid for this. I have to actually do it. And I have to actually get my like most bang for my buck out of this, that thing that I just paid for and put money into. Like you invest in yourself. I totally agree. I've seen it a thousand times. I know you have too. You give away free information and people don't act on it. And, you know, mm. for example, when they send you an inbox and they say, oh, could you ever just help me? How do I do this? But they invest in themselves and then they hold themselves accountable every single time. It literally is one of the greatest forms of accountability is asking people to have skin in the game. And mm. I've got a friend that says money paid to you is nothing more than a reward for a job well done. And so when you are doing an excellent job of providing excellent content that changes lives in an excellent way, of course you deserve something in return for a job well done. And I think of everyone course, should be yeah. unapologetic, right? Yeah, again, it's like it's a, a job well done exactly and you're actually intended to help people but even if you aren't like even if you're you're a hairdresser or like uh, someone that's getting commission for like making a sale at like a store even if like whatever you're selling isn't helping people it's still helping them in a way because they would have like not been able to cut their own hair or like purchase um, a car or like whatever without your help so it's still that service it's still something that someone needs you know it's filling a need and that person needs this thing and you're facilitating that for them so that's what it's for I think people get really mixed up with like services and like wanting to help people and I think the whole like service industry is a little confusing with people and money and charging things yeah I totally agree so how's your relationship with money now in terms of setting high ticket um coaching sales and all that stuff. How would you describe your relationship with money? Um, I think my relationship with money is very much so improved and it can still improve for sure. So I've actually just started doing my high ticket coaching social media course with my students. Like I've been talking about in this podcast a bit. Um, and at first I was like absolutely terrified to charge that much. I was like, why, why would I charge that much? Like, do I have this credibility? Like I've only barely been an entrepreneur for two years, but I've learned from so many people and I know I can help these people with social media. So why wouldn't I charge something that's like a little bit less or whatever? Um, and I've actually been working with Sterling who was on this podcast. He was the first podcast interview for the love of money. I remember that. Um, and I've actually been working with him and his whole business is based off of high ticket coaching services. And he really helped my relationship with money so much because, um, I get, again, I just realized that these people that I'm working with pay at a really high price and they've gotten such big transformations because of the high price. Now, I don't think that they I think that they still would have gotten transformations if they didn't pay that. But for me, I would have 
I, w- I wouldn't have been able to feel that, like, I think what I'm trying to say is that um, I was able to, like, give so much. And, like, I was so excited to just constantly, like, give and give and give and give and give because I didn't feel resentful towards the price that I charge, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. When you feel like you're coming from a point of just massively giving, then that is when charging for something won't bother you because you know the value that you're giving. When the value that you're giving far exceeds anything you're asking for in return, that's when you feel totally aligned. Agree. agree, agree completely. So let's talk about giving. Who or what has been one of the most influential people or moments of giving in your life? Who or what has been one of the most influential? So I think that when it comes to giving this is a hard question because there's so many like little things that I've like built up over the years. Um, it totally is. It's, it, you know, it's, what's funny is it's never like one glaring moment. Usually. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely not. So I think the thing that I can think about in terms of what I have given over the years is again, that, um, that connection to people. So there's, there's a lot of people that I've seen, um, who gain like a big following and want to, be closed off to the people that follow them in a way. Um, and in, like when I, whenever I meet people in person, I'm always just so happy and excited to meet people. And I think that like hearing people's stories for me makes me so happy and excited that I just like, I want to like take people out to coffee and like just meet with them and hear their story and stuff like that. So um, actually I remember one specific moment that I was super proud of in my entrepreneurial journey. And I think that having money, without having money, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Um, one of my best friends, Emily, her grandmother, actually, her house burned down a few months ago, like completely burned down, right? So I, um, she started a GoFundMe for her grandmother to like rebuild her house. Like at that point, when someone's house burns down and they lose everything that they have, um, all they need is is money. <laughs> they don't need anything else. They need like help in order to build them their life back up. Um, of course they need support. And if they're, if they're ill or whatever, they need help with that, but they need money. So they need help. And I've never been able to unapologetically just give in that way. Like financially, I think I've been able to give my time so much and so often because I've always just wanted to, but financially I was always like, okay, I, I, I can afford probably like $50 or $10 or whatever to, to donate and give. But I gave, um, I forget how much it was, but it was like a couple hundred dollars and I've never been able to like give that much before. And now I'm super focused on like just giving to, to charities more and just being able to do that. It's been like an amazing feeling to just be like, yeah, duh. Like why wouldn't I give you whatever I, whatever I can offer. And, um, Emily was just so grateful and her grandmother was so grateful and it wasn't even just that, but it was the fact that I also shared um, shared the GoFundMe page with my audience and other people were sparked to give to and other people who may not have seen the GoFundMe page, which I was, I'm super grateful for my platform and being able to do something like that. Um, again, like there's always more to give and there's always like more opportunities to give, but now having money, and I know you talk about this all the time on the podcast, now having money and having the financial ability to give some of it away. Um, I just, the fact that I even have that ability now is amazing. And I'm always looking for places to give. And whenever I see a GoFundMe page on Facebook or something, I'm always just like, yeah, of course. Like I always just make it a point to donate whenever I see something like that. Um, I typically don't share it on social media because again, that's one of those things before you started this podcast and before you started the generosity challenge that you've been doing, it's a, it's a scary thing for people to, to share when they give and to be unapologetic about it. And I think it's awesome that you've been able to spark this, like, yes, let me talk about how I give all the time on social media and just have other people do it too, because it sparks, again, it always, it always sparks that next rolling domino for someone else to do it too, because they see someone else doing it that day and it gets them inspired to do it as well. And I think that's something that you've done. That's been so amazing. Um, allowing people to have a safe space to share their giving moments and it excites other people to do it as well. Like, I think that's probably the, one of the most amazing things. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. And I love everything about your answer because you just painted the most perfect picture of what it's supposed to look like. You went from giving up your time 
to then giving of your audience, which is a huge asset, to then giving of your money. And what a beautiful journey that's be that's become for you. So I always make everybody, you know, the two minutes of bragging favorite moment of giving. Is that one of your favorite moments of giving? Is that one of my favorite? Yeah, definitely. I, I like it definitely sticks out to me in my head, but there's honestly so many that I can't even think of them right now that there's so many like small things where it was just like I um I was able to like someone emailed me, I specifically remember, there was been a couple people over the last few years where it was like a boyfriend emailed me and said like, hey, it's my girlfriend's birthday. It'd be so cool if you would call her and like message her. And like, we, like, I think one guy actually set up a Skype call on her girlfriend's, on his girlfriend's birthday, um, where I just called in and like said, hi, happy birthday. And she was like so happy and excited and just little things like that, that I've never really talked about. Um, over the years, it's happened like many, many times. I just like love being able to just excite someone and make them happy and see them smile and little things like that I think over the years just built up it always reminds me why I continue to do this and why I continue to um, be on social media and put myself out there because it just makes such a big impact on other people and it's so cool and it's made an impact on me oh I totally love that so you've used the term unapologetic in our interview here and I've always got the signature question I ask everybody why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth What's your answer? People should be unapologetic of their pursuit because it's it's for the betterment of yourself. I think the number one thing is we talked about giving to other people and helping other people and always wanting to help other people. But at the end of the day, too, like, yes, that is amazing and that that should be um, your main, like, thought process in the back of your head. But the other main thought process in your head should be to make yourself happy and to make your life better. Um, I think quality of life gets diminished as well a lot of the time when um, when you when you suppress your your wants for wealth because again like we, you talk about on this podcast all the time I loved your interview with Lori about all of the things that um, like breaking those money mindset like myths like like money is the root of all evil and all this stuff when you suppress that you suppress your quality of life and your potential for a higher quality of life and you don't realize how many amazing things can happen when you are financially successful again like whether it's being able to give to charities or whether it's being able to um buy dinner for 10 friends and just be so like like just focus on spending the time without everyone worrying about like the bill at the end of the night or whether it's to be able to go fly and see your family that lives across the country every couple of months because you can and it's it's okay because plane tickets are expensive but it's okay and you can get a first class seat if you want and all of this stuff that like makes your quality of life better and we should all want that, right? Like we should all want a, a good quality of life and not just a good quality of life, but a great quality of life. And that's what it's all about. Like we only have one life here on the world and why wouldn't you want to make it as amazing as you possibly can with, with growing your wealth and growing um, the quality of everything else that's going on in your life? Yes. You know what, Amanda? That's one of the best answers that we have absolutely gotten yet because- Oh my God, I made it up to, off the fly. I didn't- <laughs> seriously, you have to remember that's to awesome. give to yourself first so that you can be the best version of yourself, right? The mm. healthiest, the happiest, the most capable to give. So you can be the best version of yourself for everyone else. And that's why I love your answer is because Thank everybody you. else is sometimes afraid to go there. They're afraid to say, wait, I, I need to give to myself first. I deserve that. And you just reminded everybody that, you know, put your oxygen mask on first before you- put everybody else's on. I absolutely oh, yeah. love it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Love it. Amanda, I can't thank you enough. You've dropped so much amazing knowledge for everybody to follow. I know you're going to crack open lives left and right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here, Chris. It's been really great to just talk about all of this stuff with you. And again, I'm a listener and lover of this podcast. So I'm just happy to be able to be involved in it. And I'm just super grateful for you and for our relationship and our relationship um, moving forward as well. I'm very happy to be here and thank you all for listening. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to do big things. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.